I'd now like to welcome our guest, D.A. Bullock, who is involved with Reclaim the Block, a coalition to demand that Minneapolis divest from policing and invest in long-term alternatives. You've had D.A. Bullock on before on these issues. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Margaret. Okay, so, you know, almost at a loss for words here, but... Um, Keith Ellison has said that they didn't have any choice but to not prosecute the officer, given the law that is in place. A lot of people around the nation were confused simply because Minneapolis at some point had announced that they were going to stop this no-not warrant entry. A lot of fuss made after after Brianna was killed. So give us your reaction. What What are the issues involved here? And do you think that they should have been charged despite Ellison saying that likely they would not have been able to make a case given Given the law as it stood at the time, this a young man was murdered by the police, D.A. Bullock. Uh, yeah, firstly, I, you know, my heart goes out to Amir Locke's family. And, you know, I agree with his mom saying when she said she's not disappointed anymore, she's to be honest, she's, she's to the point of being disgusted with this city. I think a lot of us in the community share that sentiment. You know, we are fed up and we are disgusted because, like you mentioned, our mayor had announced ostensibly a, a ban on no-knock warrants, and he lied. He lied to the residents, and he used that throughout 2021 in his campaign in order to sort of prove that these reforms were being put in place after the death of George Floyd. And then we see what happens to Amir. In terms of the not being able to charge the police, I feel like we're seeing ourselves backslide back into the same old processes around, you know, prosecutors' discretion, county prosecutors, because firstly, the county prosecutor is the one in charge of, of making this charge against the police officer. And we've seen this kind of passing the buck along the way. But we know that Police officers have a lot of understanding and discretion about the dangers of executing these no-knock warrants. And in fact, the mayor had, had spoken to this idea of police officers know the dangers that there could be Second Amendment law-abiding citizens within their homes who own guns. And they they know the history. They know Brianna Taylor's case. They know the history of Ayanna Stanley Jones in Detroit. They know these histories of when these no-knock warrants have gone wrong. And then also we know that our own within our own metro area, our, our sister city right next door, you could walk to St. Paul. They haven't used no-knock warrants since 2016 because they know the dangers of using those no-knock warrants. They know the dangers to residents, and they also know the dangers to police officers. So for officials to say officers were reasonable and not expecting that all these other circumstances could be within that home. I don't I don't buy that. I don't think that's that's an accurate detail. Prosecutors have discretion in order to file charges and they have the responsibility of, of bringing those charges robustly when they know the circumstances because only one only one officer fired. Uh, there are several other officers in that room who made a different reasonable choice that day. So I think there should be some higher level of accountability for officers who make 
deadly, lethal choices. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Amir, 22 years old, his whole life, you know, in front of him. What an absolute uh, heartbreak. And also, you know, they apparently, he was asleep, right? He was asleep. It was, I don't know, it was something like early morning, 645 in the morning. He's asleep. And apparently the police actually had to kick the 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 couch that he was sleeping on in order to wake him up and furthermore he wasn't even a suspect he wasn't named in anything he wasn't a suspect and here's this man now uh having uh lost his life the family they do intend to uh to do a civil suit uh but you know da just putting this in a, a bigger context here i mean congress finally managed to pass an anti-lynching bill. This is after 120 years of people trying to bring an anti-lynching bill. And honestly, given the fact that 80 or more than 80% of these no-knock warrants are used against black people, against people of color, uh, and, you know, what we saw with Armand Arbery, et cetera, I mean, I really see a lot of examples of what I consider to be modern-day lynchings, frankly. And, uh, you know, we can't wait another 120 years for this stuff to stop. Uh, right. So just uh, give us your uh, final thoughts here, just in the broader context of what this really means in terms of the ongoing and historic attacks against our communities. I, I think what it really means is, again, we have to, as black folks, especially, we have to remove ourselves from the sort of the political gamesmanship of ideas like defunding the police and really talk to each other about, like, what what is the purpose of police in our communities? And then why can't we hold them accountable? You know, we had Dion Willis in Baton Rouge, which was a warrant being served after they knocked. They waited and then they ended up shooting him and lynching him even after they, you know, knocked and announced themselves. So even within the parameters of some of these so-called reform tactics, they still have the ability to lynch us in our homes as law-abiding citizens as people who are bystanders, as as just black people living our lives, we are subject to their discretion about whether we live or die or whether we're harmed or not. And they can do this all in the, the name of law enforcement. And I think that's that's something we just have to examine and say, is that really a reformable place for us as community members? I think our history has shown that's not reformable for us. We need to really embrace totally new ideas around how we keep each other safe and then how we invest our dollars because you know black communities we're highly invested in all these cities and all these police departments like our police department spends uh they had a 193 million dollar budget last year and that's not counting all of the settlements and lawsuits against the police for all the abuse that they exacted in the last two years. And that's a lot of investment from the black community in something that's killing us and harming us. And we have to find a better way. Uh, And we know a better way because long before there were police, you know, we were taking care of one another within community. We were looking out for one another in community and we were providing accountability for one another within community, which I think is another important component. We're not talking about um, mayhem and chaos, we're talking about, you know, bringing parents and, and you know, community members back into the fold when it comes to bringing our young people back to accountability. 
and and a restorative kind of justice. Right. Um, no, because this this current system is not we're, working for us. We're out of time, so we're going to have to have you back because that that is a much um, longer discussion. We really need time to dig into that so that our audience, uh, you know, really uh, gets what uh, community members are putting forward. But we appreciate you joining us, and and we hope to have you back soon as we continue this discussion. And um, we know that a lot of Minneapolis, including yourself, and and actually black people all over the country are grieving on this latest situation, unjust killing of 22-year-old Amir Locke. Thank you, D.A. Bullock. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Margaret.